There once was a man named Gold Roger who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, folks, welcome to the latest edition of the Yonko table. Yes, if you listen, that is the voice of the one Grandmaster Hoop. Yes, that is me, and there is no Dr. Chase today again. He has not got on the euphoria train and that's okay because it's me and a host of supernovas and we're going to get through this and yes i did say euphoria we are back to cover the latest and greatest in euphoria with episode four of season two and again this series really knows how to deliver on all fronts can't get enough can't get enough and that's why we're here so who else is here at the table well let's hear Who's featured on the table today? Who's that dork? It's Darce. Call me Kame Chris. It's the one, the only, Nino Desplazado. Hi, I'm Dr. Rika from the Yonko Table, and you're not watching Disney Channel. All right, and we have a newcomer today. Uh, first time to the Yonko Table, we have... Nieces pieces, nieces pieces. What brings you to the table today? Well, Grandmaster Hoop, um, I love Euphoria and I know you're aware of this. We talked about this last week and you brought this to my attention and I love any excuse to talk about Euphor Euphoria and the messy ass characters. So wait, can we curse on this? Yes, <laughs> like, you can. Wait, you can <laughs> curse. It's okay. Like, wait, can I curse? Cause yes. I curse a lot, so. Yes. So yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm just excited to, I heard last week's conversation. I feel like everyone had really thoughtful insights on the characters and how the season's going so far. So I was just really excited to join. So thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you were excited. I'm glad that you're here. And yes, again, as far as the euphoria trend is taking off within the Yonko table, I was like, huh, Nisa's pieces would be a good addition. Let me get her on. So thank you for being here. Um, shoot, without further ado, folks, uh, let's get into it. I mean, I feel it's just really easy just to start with the opening scene. But uh, overall thoughts, again, I don't think there's, there's one episode of this series that I feel like is a bad. I enjoyed this episode throughout. Uh, not as much as episode three of season two, but... This one still had its poignant moments that uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, separated from the rest, you know, uh, whether it be the opening uh, or the ending. I, it's still a lot of fun to watch and I'm enjoying every moment. Uh, but how about that opening scene? Uh, again, I feel they do just a very good job of making you trip and you might not even be tripping, but- I personally loved it. I, I loved it. it. Yes. So cool. Right. And I have to do this because of last week. If you didn't see the the Jules special uh, episode, then you kind of miss out on some like deeper level stuff from that. So Grandmaster, did you get a chance to watch it? Yes. Did, are you sure? <laughs> no. Yeah, I thought so. How what about Nino? What about Nino? He just read Wikipedia. 
And, man. You're saying if this ship is going down, I'm bringing people with me. How dare you? I ain't going alone. <laughs> but here, you can go further. That's okay. I, I will watch it. You can give more context because, again, I don't know. It's just they're so creative in how they do these scenes. Like when they oh, zoomed in on her Frida Kahlo inspired look right that was free to Kahlo no yeah and honestly like it took me a hot second to realize that that was Jules I'm like huh Frida huh right it's a human. oh yes. my god that's Jules so um but in that Jules special opening and I thank you Dr. Riga for really um pressuring and bullying me to watch it I'm just kidding <laughs> before telling me to watch it um because like you get into that that insight on like who Jules is and with that like she kind of like was questioning femininity femininity and like also her ideas of like does she really like rue like she has her whole like her whole thought process on what a quote unquote perfect life would kind of look like and her fantasies and stuff and for us to see this level of kind of jewels accepting um her i guess like the the person that she chooses to be with which ends up being rue like i think that like impacted it on like a deeper deeper level on that so like seeing that and seeing like the scenes with like the the titanic and brokeback mountain the romance all, movie montage it was just was so it was good. so cool and so like fun to see um anybody else want to like talk about that real quick are you saying that was my... jules's fantasy you come you could go after this because I didn't think so, it was Jules's fantasy, but now no, 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 it's think. not Jules's fantasy. But like in that Jules special, like there's some times that she would fantasize like situations, and it would be like her and a guy, you know, like it was like always like she changed so that way she can be this idea of femininity and to be with like ideally like a guy. But then yeah. now she's kind of like embraced the idea of her lesbianic tendencies or whatever you want to. I don't know if that's the appropriate way to say it, but like just the fact that she wants to be with Rue. And so like it was a very like you saw a wall kind of come down for Jules. And I feel like this episode weighed a lot more in that aspect because I literally just saw that Jules special. I gotta watch that special. Uh, Comment Chris, what were you going to say? I was gonna say this the broke back mountain was like my favorite one. <laughs> and I was trying to as well understand um if this was uh if she was like fantasizing or if this was just something that they were doing for her in a sense of like just trying to go ahead and uh I guess give a little bit more of an understanding of what her character is supposed to be. Um because I guess you can get kind of get lost in who Jules is. And she can be like this really, like from the beginning, you would think she was this like really crazy out there, like do it with whoever, you know, type girl with all these bodies. And then she has this like very uh, shy side to her that's like very reserved where she, you know, you expect her to be the girl to like walk around and be like, you know, just around the high school, like fuck off guy. Like she, instead she just kind of like says nothing, you know, she's like just in her own lane. And I think that could be because of who she is and um, I think I, I just thought that was like a, a separate side of they're just showing like putting more character to Jules than what we like um, think or what we like perceive to know of her. But I thought it was cool, though. And then it was, I guess, a little insight of like um, how she like kind of, I guess, uh, 
just wants that romance with Rue. And then, but in real life, you know, she's actually, you know, she actually like has like different desires probably, but she just maybe infatuated like how we were with the whole, like every, you know, little thing that they were doing <laughs> like uh, her and Rue, which is like the best thing ever. But yeah, I think that, I guess I, that's what I interpreted when I was watching it. Funny that you mentioned, uh, that's what she wants with Rue. Cause that's not what she's getting with Rue you know and exactly. <laughs> right and ah, goodness i mean uh nisa's pieces said it the best as far as people being messy uh is that what's going on is that what's is that what's pushing jules towards elliot because i oh man i don't know i'm rooting for ruin jules but i get it i mean like i'm confused I'm honestly confused. How do you not know this um, girl is like I mean, Jules and Ellie? <laughs> Listen, I don't trust this man, Elliot. I think, I think nope. he, I think he, I don't think it's his fault at all, but I don't think that he is a good influence over either of them. And it's causing them to regress in their character arcs. And I think that's what this season is about. There's uh, because so far everyone has kind of regressed after trying to make a step forward. They've regressed into different versions of themselves. And for some people, regression is progress. You know, like let's say for Cal, which we'll get to him, regression into, you know, into I guess that high school mindset that we saw last week is progress. I'm not saying it's good progress, but um, and then for everybody else, you know, Rue relapsed. Jules, and I'm um, correct me for everybody who actually watched the special and didn't just read the the spark notes. But um, Jules um, said that she want didn't want her, or wanted her was focused first was focusing her femininity to appease like the like men like and the male gaze, and then she comes to the conclusion that she's not interested in men like at the beginning of like he says at the beginning of the season and then for this relationship with Elliot to come in it just kind of see it, I don't know if that's progress or regress I don't know where we stand right now with Jules mm -hmm. you know it's funny the more like I thought about like what Elliot is supposed to like represent like I just thought about like how he brings out both Rose and Jules vices so rules by Jules's vice being sex and then Rose vice being drugs like he brings that out of both of them which I thought was like interesting I don't think he I think he unintentionally <laughs> I don't think he means to be messy but he just doesn't realize how his actions affects the people around him like he the the Dominic kind of explained that in the uh, at the end of the episode, like he did. I don't think he really means any harm. He just doesn't really realize like what his actions does to people around him. I, I think know. he has I good intentions. I think he knows. He's. I think he knows. I think he knows. But he doesn't know. I don't know. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because man, no. I'm like I'm Team Elliot though. I kind of like him. You know, like. I know I'm going to get castigated for this, but, like, he's just trying to live his life. He bumped into this girl at a party. They did drugs together, and he's like, oh, okay, this is cool. 
him not really knowing like her background of being like an addict and like overdosing and all that stuff he thought that rue was just a cool person and then he got interrogated by jules he was just trying to be his own person and then like now he has a thing for rue but he also has a thing for jules i mean he is like a little on the messy side all right you guys He's You're an right. enabler. He is messy, but he's still, like he's messy. Because right. how, 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 how do you know this girl's on drugs and she, you know, she's gonna drink, but you're gonna go drive to the damn liquor store or go get oh, beer yeah. and then say, Don't, you can't drink." You they, know? They, oh my god! Like, yeah, why would was, you? Why would you yeah. suggest that? When you know that there's like an addict around you, exactly, and, then, and you know that you're suffering <laughs> for this said addict, and then chastise this said addict. It all, all it seemed like it was, it would just. It just seemed like he was like, yo, Rue, like, I don't know, maybe he he was like short, very short sighted. And then he was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done this. And then it just happens. To- I don't. Well, yeah, I to play devil's advocate, just like trying to think of like what my mind was like in high school. Honestly, I don't think most kids that age really understand like addiction to the level like most adults do. They probably get, you know, they understand like, oh, someone could die from. But I don't think they really understand like like what we experienced with Rue and like the last episode the manipulation that goes behind anything to get that next fix like they don't understand that so in Elliot's defense I think like what you said Nino um he kind of realized it like once he saw her cracking the can open he's like oh shit like you shouldn't be doing that like he thought he was trying to be like fun and try to have like you know trying to be fun but he didn't like realize the consequences to his actions of doing that you know what I'm saying I mean like Jules could have also said, like, no, we really shouldn't because, like, we don't want Rue to start drinking. You know, like, they were both under the impression, like, okay, this is really for us two, not Jules. And then also he's acting selfishly because he's like, well, I didn't take the drugs, so I could drink. But then when he saw that Rue did do the drugs and she was drinking, he's like, yo, you need to chill. Like, Mm. what are you doing crazy pants? And so now, like, there's, that's when I feel like, I kind of feel for him if he is as innocent as we want him to be. But again, like, who knows? Maybe he does have a different ulterior motive. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think he's similar to a lot of the... I don't think any of them are, are innocent. I don't think any of them are like... I mean, there's a few that have done like bad things, but holistically, I think what we talked about last week, everybody's messy in some type of way, have done something really fucked up. So there's like the spectrum of like, you have Nate who somebody is in jail because of him. And then you have like, Alexi, who's on this other side, who is also still not doing great things as far as like putting people's business up into her her play, which I guess we'll soon find out kind of the, the results of. But I think all of them, one, if we remember, despite all of them being played by adults, they are supposed to be 16, 17-ish. And so none of them are gonna make good decisions. And so my feelings of Elliot, I still don't really know how I feel about him, but I think there's an element of like that short-sightedness that was just mentioned as far as like, oh yeah, let's do this because it'd be fun. Then, oh shit, maybe that actually wasn't a good idea. Or saying one thing that seems really intentional as far as like how he talked about jewels and how he talks about sex with jewels, that, that does seem intentional, the ways in which they have those conversations. But then there's all other interactions that seem kind of organic and just like, how people would interact. So I think with each of the char- characters, Elliot included, there's like an element of like, you're still a teenager who has no fucking idea what you're doing, but you're also a person who's maybe doing specific things for your own gain. 
Uh, he just wanted to fuck Jules. I think that was really Wait. it. I think and did he want to like? <laughs> like did he want to like fuck both of them? He yeah, did but, say we should all just fuck. He did say yeah, that. But, Rue, but I think he that, noticed yeah. like Rue was like so far gone. Like, you know, like it just seemed like very, 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 very intentional. I do get what I will say. <laughs> I do get some vibes that he fetishizes Jules based mm-hmm. off of like reflecting on some conversation and comments that he's made since they've interacted with one another and like some of the dares he's asked her to do that. I'm just like, okay, dude, we're, we're like, skirting the line of where boundaries are in terms mm-hmm. of, of what you ask about people. So I do get that element of like, I don't know if you really see her as like a person more so than you see elements of her body or her mm. wanting to have sex with her for particular reasons. Um, so I do get that vibe from him. And but he dropped a little bit of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did do that. Yeah. Like, what do you do when someone's, you know, saying, "Let me go, let me out, let me out of the car." You drive them, you drive them home, and then you say, "All right, I drove you home. It doesn't matter what you do from now." Exactly. As 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 stated, though, they are young, they are impressionable, they make mistakes, they're not always going to have the best foresight. I give Elliot a lot of benefit of the doubt too. Um, Like there, there's elements of good in him clearly but then he it feels at times he's the devil on the shoulder uh as uh i don't know who said as far as the vices go you know one moment he's like let's do drugs rue and then he's in the bathroom and he notices rue had had the you know the grinded whatever on the counter and he wipes it up knowing that you know she's probably had enough and you know he's teaching uh jules how to eat pussy (laughs) And then, you know, the next moment he's over here making out with Jules on the, the bed. And it's like, okay, I thought, it, I thought it went more than that. Um, I don't know. It was the whole hand thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the point, I, I'm just, I feel he's a guy who wants to be a good guy, but he knows he's like, you know, craving something push more. Pull. Yeah, but, push but and why, pull. But why didn't they, so... Two things that happened that I was like, okay, some they're being they're doing the most because when they got to back to his place, they didn't even check on Rue. They didn't like you got home or like what what Jules didn't like, turn her phone off. She turned her phone she off. Did. Like you truly don't care. Like you truly were are over it or something. But I know Rue just like kind of like told her she couldn't stand her. But come on, bro. Like you know that girl's like on mad drugs and drinking. You know like. I, I took that as whatever she was about to do with Elliot, she did not want to be interrupted with, you know, Rue exactly. in the back of her mind. That's what I took it as. Um, I, I mean, think what Nino shared earlier about that regression and that if you do connect it with a lot of what was shared with them, especially Jules, what's happening with Jules and what's happening with Rue, what was shared within their specials and where we're seeing them now, I think that was a good representation of that, like a step back from maybe a step forward that she had as far as revelations. Break them and down. Especially, especially when this reminds me, now that we're talking about it, it reminds me of season one Jules, who even though they had nothing to do, uh, Jules would not even text, even though with the phone's in her hand and she was talking to Tyler, which was really Nate, she wouldn't text her back or even tell her like what was going on until hours later. 
because she was just having such a great time, you know, on whatever app she was using, talking to Nate. So it, it kind of reminds me of that, that she was just like, I'm putting everything out of my mind and trying to... Putting my sole attention on this one thing. Yeah. And not trying to have anything lingering in the back of my head. And I mean, I feel bad for Jules too, because perception's reality. She doesn't, she, she doesn't think that, or I don't know if she really knows if... Um, Rue is on drugs. She just knows that Rue took some sips of alcohol, had some weed, and then she said those things, you know? And it kind of triggers back to the Jewel special where, like, she didn't really want to get involved with her mom, who is an addict, and, like, she has a really hard relationship with her mom. And even, like, the therapist in that special was saying how you compare your mom and Rue a lot. And so sometimes, like, you kind of put yourself into that situation. And I'm sure Dr. Rita can also like explain a little bit more about like the duality between those two. It was a lot of what we talked about last week, which we saw some, some play out towards mm-hmm. the end of the episode uh, with Nate and Cal. But I think it's just, you know, whatever idea you have in your head based off of the experiences you have growing up, um, that sometimes they're really hard to, to remake as you're, you're getting older. And so she had, like, we saw a lot of the disappointment and mm-hmm. the difficult relationship she had with her mother. Um, and I think there were, based off of what we saw in this episode, I think there's maybe a lot of like not wanting to see things and, and not wanting to acknowledge that maybe something was going on with Rue until someone said like, yeah, you can't ignore it. Like, this is what's happening. She has been taking drugs. She has relapsed. Like. Yeah. So yeah. I think there there was an element of like if I just don't say that it's there, I don't have to believe that it's there because I could get wrapped up in this cycle all over again, like what she experienced with her mother. So I don't think it's anything anything complicated. I don't think you need a, a, a psych degree to, to really understand yeah. just the how relationship dynamics can can really be harmful. It's also interesting to see like the duality of it too, of like the beginning, how you have the whole montage of them like being in love the romantic scenes and all that stuff and then for it to end the way that it ended and i feel like that's like that for a lot of the characters like even cassie like her first opening scene was her going crazy on nate and then ending off like her being crazy on herself you know like there's i feel like there's a lot of um duality in this episode well i've looked at the duality of it you had the trio the messy trio of Jules, Elliot, and Rue. Now let's look at another trio of Maddie, Cassie, and Nate, which (sighs) is uh, I don't know which one you would call messier, but there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to take apart from all this. uh, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I mean, Maddie said it best in the beginning when Nate came over. She's like, you ruined me. Uh, you know, uh, it's just like she, I think she recognizes their toxicity finally, but it's still entertaining it to a degree that, I mean, again, that's toxicity, you know, uh, you say, no, it comes back. You like, it's like a, it's like the bait. It's the carrot in front of the mule. Will you keep going after it or will you pick up this carrot off the ground? And Maddie is a smart mule. She's a smart donkey. Uh, this is a terrible analogy, but uh, 
<laughs> Again, we know Maddie's got a lot of pieces, you know, uh, like the like the disc for one, you know, uh, which Nate still doesn't know she has. She can entertain, oh, you know what, Nate's the donkey. She can entertain this donkey, this jackass, and just let it kind of keep going however she wants. Because she's got the trump card at the end of the day. But then you got someone like Cassie. Uh, I, I mean, I would like to probably hear from y'all, but I don't know. I look at Cassie, I'm like, come on, Cass. I need you to be stronger. I need you to yeah, she was wild me. Down. At the beginning, she was. She was like, she was giving Nate the ultimatum. I was like, all right, put his ass in place. Like, please, someone needs to, like, you want to know something? <laughs> I just found it so funny that, like, Nate was talking about like oh that's that's called um blackmail you can't do that and I was just like Nate if you don't shut the fuck up right now <laughs> and it just it, it really just turns it into like this I really am sad that Maddie is kind of getting thrown to the wayside in this relationship exploration because this dynamic is really an angle where Maddie is like kind of like the object in the way of Cassie and Nate, which is really sad to see her character like kind of reduced. And the, all she does is like, no, like, you know, maybe I will, maybe I won't. You're toxic for me. And that's all she does for the, you know, for most of the entire dynamic in this uh, between them. And I just, I, I'm kind of tired. I'm tired of seeing Cassie, you know, what do you call it? Uh, um, Cassie just like being on the floor, hitting rock bottom, and then sinking deeper, and then exploring new rock bottom, and then it just keep going. Like she just keeps going. I really don't know how she's doing it, and um, it's it's just really sad to see. It is sad to see. Goodness, but I love it. I I mean, it's entertaining. I just give Sydney Sweeney her flowers for the performance that she put on in this last episode. Like, no, I don't care what anybody says. Like, she killed it. Like, that entire last episode, (laughs) she killed it. I just, like, like, look, like, I can't get over this face. (laughs) Okay. And see, and then that scene, too, because, you know, the whole time she's, like, screaming apologies at Maddie. But Maddie has no idea. Maddie thinks it's about, like, the corona. But she's over here saying sorry. I I interpret as you know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm in love with Nate. And like I thought she was gonna say it too. I was like, say it. Right. I was like, damn, she's too drunk. I think Maddie's catching on though. Oh yeah, Maddie knows. I was gonna say that. Oh, she knows that side in the hot tub. Oh, she knew. She said, oh, Mm -hmm. I don't think she knows it's Cassie, but she knows something (laughs) is up because like we were saying earlier with the whole. Why'd you say it so definitive? Like, like her clapping and everything. She's a woman of intuition. She knows that there's something not right. Her gut Mm -hmm. is telling her something. Right, and then you know, Nate again. He got defensive too. uh, You know, well, I mean, like Nate is in such a fragile place because, like, all right, he hooked up with his girl's best friend. Um, This girl ends up telling him that she's crazy. So if Cassie ever to Maddie about anything Maddie out of revenge could exploit with the the disc you know so he's like okay I gotta keep her in line and now I gotta keep her in line and I gotta try not to go crazy 
and I don't know, like, I feel like Nate is just, like, this is kind of what happens when a possum is, like, has their back against the wall. They're, like, trying to, like, hiss and stuff and try to, like, make sure that, like, the situation's under control because if not, all hell's going to break loose. I don't know. Nate's a dummy for going to that party, first of all. Like, you set yeah. yourself up, like, but, you <laughs> oh, know what? Maddie's party. Yeah, I was Maddie's thinking about party. The, the party where he got knocked in the head by Fez. Oh, well, he probably, in retrospect, should have gone to that party either. But, you know, it's hard to like Cassie when you see her grovel at the feet of Nate Jacobs. But you know what? She came strutting down that stairwell in that swimsuit. You know, she knew what she was doing. Right. You know, I give her her props. You know, she's like, I'm going to get this man. That that he's That's my man. And, uh, I mean... Yeah. Backfire. It's just, it's you don't just want so sad. Like, I I think part of it is like she she has no idea who she is. Like being outside of a relationship. Yeah, uh, and I think that Ooh. much of her identity is wrapped up in that. So it's like I have to hold on to this because what do I have left? Which is so sad. First of all, but I think what was interesting too, Daniel had brought this up in terms of like not getting enough Maddie is we got to see moments where she was being a really good friend, which is maybe not something we saw a lot of in the first season because of that toxic relationship with Nate and their dynamic. But she had a moment with Kat where she checked in on her and they had some conversations. She gave her encouraging words. She like cried reading and looking at the scrapbook that Cassie gave her. Like there was a just a lot of like you could see what she's like when she's not like attached to Nate. And then you see what Cassie is like when she is attached to him. And, and there's the common denominator is just like this person who he got a lot to work through on his own that is certainly in, impacting his relationships that the, these women are just, uh, you know, it's not good. So I, um, I, I want better for Cassie and for Maddie and for everybody really, but. Right. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> You know, to, doc- <laughs> to Dr. Rika's point, um, and this is this is tying, th- this is a multi-thought uh, right here, but it kind of makes me think about also how maybe Cassie and Nate were just really in really bad places and they're just colliding with each other and they're just bringing out the absolute worst in each other. Um, and this is where I'm choosing to say that Maybe, you know, McKay, after he broke up with Cassie, he is also living his best life in college and not worrying about his high school friend, which he sh- like he should just, you know, that's where I'm picturing it. And the only reason I bring McKay up is because there is a, uh, as many people pointed out about how we're getting such a Cassie-centered season right now. Like there's been a lot of, especially with the, last night's episode where we got a lot of her dancing you know and that's taking up a lot of airtime but you know there was a rumor that said McKay's actor didn't agree where his storyline was going so the writer kind of wrote him off and tr- uh, gave a lot of his scenes to Cassie so that's and why I heard I'm the same thing about Kat it was some, mm-hmm. something similar in terms of like Barbie didn't like some of the choices that were being making about her character and that she's supposed to have more scenes. Um, but 
instead they were given space to, to other folks because uh, she wanted a little bit more input on her character similar to somebody how like I imagine Zendaya has input and so does Hunter with jewels um, and that also wasn't agreed upon so that's why we see a little bit less of her too again it's a rumor but also we haven't really seen a lot of cat um, so that's true we got we, we the, but the moments we do see of her they're shot and directed so beautifully like her and Ethan sitting in the car what oh, a, I was like damn okay. what am I looking at it was so good it, um that scene when we got earlier in the season with the love yourself with the influencers mm-hmm. so good but it just makes me it just all this focus on these characters makes me wish for like what what could have been done with the other characters you know that and were people's storylines that I really cared about like and cat like, and like with that cat thing like I don't know if you guys have listened to the new Adele album because it's awesome, but um, there's like one part in one of the songs where she's like crying over like the the speakerphone saying like, I've always like been alone, but I've never felt lonely. And like, I feel like with Kat, like even when she was alone, it wasn't necessarily like a loneliness feeling she was feeling. But then now that she's with Ethan, she is getting a little bit of that loneliness feeling. So that way, like that car driving with literally nothing around it in the void I'm like, ooh, I feel that, you know? Like, I wish we did have more cat scenes. I mean, who, who knows? She might get, you know, uh, I would say this is kind of like your mid-season point if this season is eight episodes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, granted, there ain't much story to really go off of other than her and Ethan at this point. But uh, maybe we'll you- see the regression, as Nino has pointed out. Uh, you know, this feeling of loneliness she's feeling, maybe she'll regress to more of the Kitty Queen type of era that she's been possibly alluding to uh, earlier on in this season to go back to. But I definitely agree. In those short scenes we do get with her, they're definitely still as impactful as, you know, uh, the more targeted scenes with her. But uh, Also, can you just say that the actress that plays Cassie she needs to get recognized for some sort of award because she, she's making a lot of press rounds right scene. now. Uh, she is, yeah. She she's campaigning. Yeah, I that think um, was just so. Ugh. Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, I was disgusted. Oh goodness gracious! And then, uh, nah, I don't want to. It was a great scene. That was a lot. That was a, you, the tension was there, right? If the tension was there and. Honestly, that vomit saved everybody. That vomit saved yeah. Nate, uh, saved her. Uh, it was welcome. It was needed. Uh, that was the perfect exit. <laughs> uh, but uh, how about Lexi, you know, taking this all in? Uh, a fly on the wall. Uh, I really like those scenes. Again, uh, the show is so intricate on how they uh, deliver these scenes, but literally... Uh, oh she, yeah her fight scene with her sister yes and, when she was fighting and yes and the actors were reading the lines uh and then you know she didn't name anybody after uh their actual character so you have to you know keep up with oh, okay that actor's playing Lexi that actor's playing Cassie uh I'm I really want to see this play uh <laughs> I'm, I'm invested I'm wondering why only McKay was named. Like I didn't like everyone else. Like names change, but like someone mentioned the actress who was playing Cassie said McKay's name. 
when she was like portraying Cassie's role. Ooh. I thought that was interesting. And that's really messy because <laughs> that's that obviously super messy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if and there's all, any indication who these characters could be now, if you name drop McKay, right. It's yeah, like, and oh. it, yeah no. especially the implication of, like, Lexi just asked the principal or the vice principal, like, hey, can I put on this show? And now <laughs> people put two and two together, that it's going to be like a, a slam piece against all these people. It's like, ooh, that's not going to be good. I don't like Lexi. I do not like her. You don't like Lexi? No, she is. She's the messiest one for making this play. <laughs> like, she is the messiest one. And she's kind of like... She's airing out the um, laundry. I, I don't want to say, like, she's weird or anything, but it's a bizarre when she... Like, for her to go into... Um, like, make things about her. Like, you know, the last, like, the last episode when she, like, um, had that whole, like, a director's moment. And then like she's doing this with the the play and i'm like what is, like and then she's staring at her sister this entire time and i know she's worried but like you can't like she's so weird and about and about it because she's putting it in the play like she she loves she lives for this like messiness and it's just like lexi come to real life you, nobody wants to like for you to say all this like it's not necessary oh. and you're gonna start so much crap girl and you're the quietest one. You want everybody to like not know you, then hate you. Like, what is wrong with you? I'm. I know. Are you, oh my god. You know what? Oh, that got me heated. Coming. Compose oh yourself. Me, Compose let, yourself. Let me, let, as a writer, I totally understand where Lexi's coming from because this is how, like, she experiences the world. She feels like she's completely shut out from everybody from every emotional connection because everyone is either going to do other things um and or being messy and she's literally like i've literally even her own father her own father looked her dead in the face and was like and then left after you know after kind of and, and from lexi's perspective it's kind of like she um he chose cassie over me to say goodbye to in a way. And yes, she is messy for writing this play, but this is how she's trying to connect to the world. This is where she's trying to like, I, I don't know what this play is gonna happen. And maybe <laughs> maybe everything that you say is right. Maybe the play is a complete slam piece where she just says, fuck all these people. And here is also, we're gonna play um, this thing that I stole from Maddie. And it turns out to be the, what do you call it? The sex tape. With, of uh what do you call it uh oh, of Cal and, and, and then just launch it into a new degree of messy but either way i know that's not going to happen but if it does happen i'll swallow my words <laughs> i just i i really gotta i really gotta defend her i gotta defend her and i gotta defend fez they need to have oh they need to, let me tell you something i watched i went on twitter and watched a fan made comp like compilation <laughs> and Love I it. watched it like around 10 times and I was like, this is bringing me so much joy. Wait, a compilation of what? Like, of just like, Fez and It was, Fez it was and only Lexi. 49 seconds. Yeah, they don't get that much screen time together. The I know, I don't it's very cute. So. It is very cute. I loved it. Well, and I was just like, you. I need I loved it. I'm okay. I need I need, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them. She she is messy, but you're gonna tell me that she's the messiest one. 
Uh, yes. right there. Yeah. Yes, because it's right none there. of her business. Listen, none of that is her business. If this, that's if why this, she's messy. If this play <laughs> comes to fruition, these might spark the conversations that half these characters need to have already been having. So that's it's not her job. It's not her job, <laughs> but it's not necessarily the. It's like you know, it's not that it's, evil. I guess it's not not her job. Things. Think about that. It's, it's not, not her not job. job. You're right. It's not her job, but I don't it's, know. It's perspective. I, like I love by me in high school. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, like I love <laughs> I love Lexi, but like, you know, thinking realistically, like if someone were to put my stuff on blast, even if it was needed or necessary, I don't care. That's not your job to be putting my shit out there. That's just me exactly. though. <laughs> but for the show addict. purposes, I think it might be necessary. Drop that shit. For less, for less to drop <laughs> drop. I think it might be very necessary for the show. I see both. I see both sides. So I, I love mean, Lexi regardless though, but I'm really interested, especially if you notice like even when they were taking the picture, like she was hiding behind like she was very like yeah. on the wall this episode i'm wondering why like we that's what i'm saying like it's something about her that is just like beyond messy like why did you even come to this party like you're not it's even at her interacting house. with it's anyone. at her house but like it's at her house but, but like why even like okay then why why even throw it if you're not even gonna like interact like your mom's the your mom's way more fun than everybody else like right, the mom <laughs> is an interesting character on her, of herself Kame chris wants Lexi to be like Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets. I'll be up in my room, um, pre- um, not making a sound and pretending like I don't <laughs> that exist. That is like That's why you come you... down. Ah, ah, I'm, I'm... <laughs> Stay I'm in good. your room. These are barely your friends. <laughs> like, come on. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's so mean. Yeah, you're These being mean. <laughs> he likes the long. <laughs> Oh, but I was also I was also gonna make a point too because I do the friendship dynamic is what I noticed like especially last episode that they really care about each other like well, like uh, with Maddie like uh, when they're all in the bathroom they're like Rue you're on drugs like they're like what like the way they're about to jump her because they care so much I'm like and then they don't and I noticed as well they don't like uh fight amongst each other too much they don't but, like. Like they don't, don't like do that. Like it's always super supportive. And I think going back to Lexi, I don't think she fits in. So I think it's so weird what she's doing. Cause it's absolutely none of her business, like at all, <laughs> like any of this. It's like, she's be- been very like, I'm the main character of my own story. And I just sit back while I watch everyone have a fucking mess of a life. And then it's like, you can't, and then you want to expose her. I don't, I don't know. Something about that is very off-putting. And the fact that all those girls are so, like, um, close to each other and, like, they're really, like, supportive, except Cassie in this moment, but <laughs> for what she's doing to Maddie. But I'd say, like, they're very, like, um, just all together. And you can tell, that that's why I point Lexi out, too, because you can tell she doesn't have the same relationship, you know, with everybody, like, they all do with each other. I think she, you know, the way she's outcasted too, and then she's standing behind corners watching her sister act a fool, be drunk, and watching everybody else. It is just very unsettling. That's You're getting that's really wild. into. She's inserting herself with this play. She's letting she, people know she's been she's there the whole herself. time. Yeah. There, there, there's, there's a what do you call it? There's uh, an academic. Uh, what do you call it? An academic argument or like way of thought that the, the what 
Chris is, uh, comic Chris is talking about. And it's really the politics of witness. Like, it, just because you witness something, like, you, like, especially when, as a writer, you have to, and especially when you're talking about real things that maybe you're adjacent to, but you're n- it's not actually happening to you. Like, there needs to always be, like, a, a certain distance that you have to keep because there is always going to be a politic of witnessing like are you witnessing are you glamorizing are you like glorifying are you and it could be like these really traumatic things that you're doing these things to but if they're not directly happening to you there's a case to be made maybe you shouldn't write this but i don't know if that's what lexi's doing i think lexi is trying to make sense of it through her art form rather than just be like i'm gonna dish out all the dirty laundry i think she's really coming from a place of I don't understand. Hopefully I'm right. Because like I said, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my words on the podcast. I'll be like, comic Chris is right. And I am wrong. And I have been wrong from the very beginning. But I'm, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt just because I know where, you know, I know where at least she's coming from as a writer. Mm-hmm. So he really wants this Fez Lexi thing to be pure and true. I <laughs> I also just think, I mean, both things could be true. I think she could just mm-hmm. be airing, at, airing them out and trying to process what she's experiencing. I think one thing that the show has done well, and I will keep saying it, and I've said it already, is just like the fact that people hold multiple things at once. That like, we saw Cal's story, and I know we're going to get to him because he had his big moment. Like we saw his, his backstory, and you could feel sympathy with that, but also be like, you're also a piece of shit. And so I think with Lexi, it's like, why are you telling these people's business? It's not yours to tell, but you're also trying to process your own trauma and what you've been going through. Like we only got a snippet of even her reaction to like Rue's overdose. And like, this is her best friend since childhood who now there's distance between them. And like, so there's all of this like unprocessed I imagine grief and loss that is now being kind of channeled through this play. That's also just like, you should be telling people about this. So I think both things can be true, frankly. Nobody cares for Oklahoma. (laughs) (laughs) We need this play. (laughs) You're right. Right. Um, Speak uh, real quick. uh, I mean, it was really quick scene. Fez, uh, we get an update on Fez. Um, baby mama mouse did they say it was mouse yeah they killed yeah right um looks like they're gonna be running into some trouble we don't know what they did with that body right no i don't think so hopefully you know they put it in some uh sulfuric acid um you know for fun they are not experiment i don't condone anything (laughs) take my advice (laughs) is that a breaking bad reference Yes, of okay, course it is. Cool. Cool, cool. Just make it... Sure. Whatever gets the heat off. No. Yeah. No, he knows it's a breaking bad reference. Of course. Just worth worth putting out there into the air. We'll see the repercussions of those actions. Uh, I mean, uh, Ashtray definitely did the killing blow. Uh, poor little guy. Uh, he's in the life, and now he's taking whatever blunt force comes after this. We'll see. Um, I feel we're getting to the big talking point, uh, but real quick before we get there, I think worth mentioning is the church scene. Uh, uh, yes. Very symbolic 
I took it as everyone's confessional type. But I thought that that was my interpretation. I feel she was at a point of confessing as to why she keeps coming back to the drugs, coming back to the high, and uh, what it's it's the loss of her father. I feel we really haven't explored that side of or like her reaction, other than the fact that you know she was like pretty much there when he passed. Or at least was you know like they were she was constantly visiting him in the hospital during treatment and whatnot and that inadvertently introduced her uh to whatever drug he was on um with a cameo from labyrinth with a cameo yeah. from labyrinth right uh, and yeah, I, the music's so it was, good it was really emotional especially like hearing her say like that she she's doing this I think subconsciously so that she can be closer to her dad, but I think it's closer to her dad, like death wise, you know, like yeah. it's, it's really darkened, but it's like really like, oh, it just hits you so hard. And like her just walking through the church because we we literally saw the first episode of Euphoria before watching this new episode as well. And in the first episode, she's walking to like a casket in rehab. So like she's walking in there, it's like part of like the rehab training to like kind of uh, this is what your life is going to be like if you continue doing drugs and like it was kind of like dark, but it was it was literally I think the same exact church from the first episode, and like uh, we got to see like her interactions with her dad and she said like I wish I can kind of pinpoint one thing in my life that led me to do drugs, but or it would be easier too if I would have just said like. I started to do drugs because my dad died like but it's not that simple and then now we kind of come to this point where she does say like this is something i can do to be closer to my dad because i kind of miss him you know like and it's oh it just gets to you yeah i don't like you said i don't think it's like the root she mentioned it's not like the root like why she started drugs it's not the reason like i think solely why like part but it just reminds you like but she lost a parent at a young age and it was just that scene is just so heartbreaking i don't know about you but i cried like just you could just and the and zendaya just does a really good job just getting in her role and just making you feel those emotions because i felt the heartbreak i felt the pain the unresolved trauma that she has and just trying to find a way to escape it through all that through drugs you know like her mental health it not being stable you know losing a parent that just does a lot on a person, especially for someone who was already unstable from like the moment she was born, you know? And it was, uh, that scene was just, it was just truly heartbreaking to watch that. I cried like a big baby, not gonna lie. <laughs> no, rightfully so. I think, and again, part of the narrative structure of this is that the dad really doesn't get mentioned too often at all um, by at least Rue or the immediate family, as far as I can remember other than the season one flashbacks of showing what happened. And, but when they, you know, when that scene, when they played, it makes perfect sense, right? Like that, you know, again, kind of what Nino was talking about, uh, the regression, whatever progression she's maybe had as an individual overcoming the loss of a parent, it is still at the back of their mind. It's still, you know, tugging at their heartstrings and, uh, you know, whatever it may be, something it would probably remind them, uh, make them, you know, 
uh, remember that feeling of what it had to have them. And yes, the drugs probably do give her a sense of, you know, connection to him. And yes, it's really sad in that sense that it takes the drugs to get there. But it makes sense that if she is looking for that feeling that, you know, I mean, there are better ways to cope. However, again, like uh, Dr. Rika has said before, like uh, it's not justified, like the justification, uh, like the means do not justify, you know, the the doing. I, I'm not saying it correctly, but <laughs> uh, that's what I took from it. And again, layered, layered character, you know, it's it's hard to root for her, but then you feel all this sympathy for her, too. You know, I think it's I think it's easy to root for her, honestly. And I've always say that because I think this also was a re- should be a reminder for a lot of people that I've seen. And I heard last podcast that they weren't really feeling rude. But I think we have to understand, even aside from her dad passing, Rue has had to take medication since a child and is not completely learn and as a child you're not going to understand moderation and growing up i couldn't imagine having to take an adderall like every day or like being scheduled for all this medication and then she's also like pretty she was pretty smart and like trying to deal with like you know not like falling into these like mental voids and i think this is one of those um voids we see where you know she's like so deep into you know being medicated that you know she's like remembering you know what makes her feel certain things which would be her dad and then i think um as far as like her being in the church and seeing jules and elliot like i think that was just her have to be reminded of like what is i guess the center of like what makes her smile and go and i think even since she was a kid it's been difficult so i don't think we can even i don't think anyone could understand what someone like that could really go through and having to as well like hide it and you know there's embarrassment when it comes to doing drugs even though she's supposed to be doing drugs so anytime you know drug addicts have a hard time understanding like um you know being it's it's really about like being comfortable and like wanting to change and she hasn't even been comfortable to even do the medication she's supposed to be doing so it's definitely nothing but a spiral effect from then all the way till now so i would say like I mean, because she's a drug addict, it's going to be so many things that come with it as far as like, you know, her, you know, talking to Jules crazy, like, you know, like get, because she's not getting her way, she's just going to go off the walls and say like some really outrageous things. But again, if you know how drug addicts work, the, the way the mind works, that's not what, how they really are all the time. And if you can be understanding, you would have dropped her off in the middle of nowhere and you would have been like, but I because they're kids, they probably wouldn't think too much about that. But at the same time, I mean, I wouldn't have, I would just forcibly tell her, like, look, you're going home. Like, she, you know, just everything she does, you know, I know people get upset with Rue about it, but um, but you can't blame her. Like, you honestly can't. Like, it's literally been set up. Like, she's been set up to go this route for a very long time. She should work on, like, she should learn about, like, needing to change in moderation. But to say she, you know, to be upset and everyone knowing that, you know, expecting her to just go cold turkey and go to therapy and be, you know, great again, that it's never going to work like that because she needs it from the very beginning. So it's just this balance of moderation. She has to find that, you know, 
will allow people to not um, hate her so much. <laughs> and I think this is the church scene was a good reminder of wake up and for people to like have, you know, sympathy for her again and be like, you know, she's not, you know, she's not like this like asshole of a person, even though she just told, you know, Jules off. But at least, you know, we still know that she's a very good human being just having to deal with psychological, you know, um, issues that she's had for a very long time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, for me, it's less. I mean, I haven't seen as many people like hating on her. I think it's more of just like, we want you to make different choices because we care about you, because we know of your background. But it's hard. It, it really is. And I think part of it too is what's so important um, in recovery is like connection to other people. And the unfortunate thing is the connections that she has are also going through it so so people kind of around her are they care about her and i truly believe that you know her friends do clearly we we see some of those scenes but also have their own things going on and it takes so much focused attention um and really intentional support and i don't know if she she's quite ready to to take that in though i think clearly because we saw the scene with ali last episode that part of wanting to make a change is actually investing in that change um and so i just don't know if she's at a place of readiness yet which is the sad part i think more than anything about rue i just feel like just sad because like of what she's gone through but because things are so difficult and it's maybe hard for her to see like a path ahead that looks different for her um, and so what's comforting and what's coping for her is to do what's continuously destructive. So. Definitely. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask, has anyone also, maybe it was just me, maybe I never noticed this, that the, the maroon like jacket that she's always wearing was her dad's. I never yeah. noticed that. Oh, before. really? Cool. Yeah. Think about that. Like uh, <laughs> in the dance sequences and uh-huh that, they we i think they mentioned something or we'd seen something about that in, in season one but i mm. it's nice to get that reminder it, it, as far as the scene that we saw last night so further just like re-emphasizing this is a girl who clearly misses her dad you know i feel like that i didn't pick up on that until I was watching it with my friend. She's like, you know, that's her dad's jacket. I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. She like, after her mom was like crying in the room in season one, after his passing, she like picked it up in, in the parents' room. So. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I, I didn't pick that up. That's amazing. Man. Yes, I am rooting for Rue. I want her to make better decisions and I want her to overcome all her struggles. Yes, the decision making is very frustrating to watch, but yes, it is a there's just a girl crying on the inside over all these things. And, you know, like we said, too, they're in high school and they're being told to juggle all these different things. And it's like, yeah, you're preparing us for life, but some of us are experiencing life right now, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and that's the stuff they are not showing you how to juggle in high school, you know. She's what, 17 or 17 in the series going to rehab already? She's probably like the youngest girl speaking at those, you know, AA meetings. It's a lot, you know? 
and they're just telling you, yeah, they're just telling you, you know, you're supposed to be good right away after one little rehab session. But as the comic Chris said, you know, uh, it ain't, it's going to be a long time before she's recovered. I hope it's, she it's gets It's a there. lifelong process. Like, right. it's literally until the end of her life. It is That's what recovery looks like. And right. About it in the special. Oh, did they? <laughs> listen I, I i will be there next week i will be with y'all here intellectually i will be there uh-huh. i i vow I make it my mission that's my mission before the weekend for sure <laughs> yes before the weekend yes yes um all right i think you know to close things off uh I mean, I I would like to think this was more of the biggest scene, I guess, of the episode. This was like the, you know, oh, shoot. Uh, I like to call it the life and times of Cal Jacobs. Uh, Or iconic. uh, Thank you. Uh, I don't know, man. We, I I joked earlier, but I, I think there's some symbolism in here that when Ashtray beat his head in, he kind of woke him up. And you know, crack the skull. And as Darce liked to put out too, uh, there was a green light that they showed on Derek and Young Cal in the flashback scene. That same green light, I'm pretty sure I saw that in the bar scene again. And I like to think that that as new life growing from you know whatever, he's got that giant crack in his head. He's got new life sprouting out of it. And here we are, the life and times of Cal Jacobs. Uh, Can someone help me like understand something really quick? Is that was that his first time going to the bar, or was that not his first time going to the bar? No, that he's been. They went. Yes, he said it's been twenty five years. Yeah, but the bartender kept on saying, "I've told you ten times already. Stop." In that moment. Yeah, we didn't see that that night. night. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm like, man, like, is he just like participants? Like, okay, no, that makes sense. Which is also another, uh, I I don't know if y'all want to call it beautiful or just a really layered storytelling. He wants to wrestle because what did him and Derek do in high school? It was cringy, though. It was very cringy. I mean, it was cringy, right? I was like, I mean, he's drunk. Don't fight in the bar, please. (laughs) I was like, oh. I mean, everything about even being drunk, this is not the place. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. uh, No, he was violating. He was definitely violated. Uh, But (laughs) it's it's the spiral. It's the spiral. You. You're watching him spiral, but you're also watching him kind of outwardly embracing what he's been, you know, uh, bottling up double inside. Life. Yeah, yeah his double, double life. life. Right. And well, let me tell you, I was shook. I had, I did not see this company whatsoever. I figured there'd be like some kind of moment of revelation, but like, further down the line or when the tape was like reappearing. Um, So I certainly did not anticipate this. I don't know what y'all's first reactions were to that, you know, 10 minute monologue, basically. I'm gonna say this. I thought the bar stuff was fine because that's him trying to 
be at peace with the world. Granted, he's drunk driving all the way there and he's Oof. violating the people in the bar. I did not see the ending coming though. I did not see that coming. And yeah, gag. <laughs> oh my and <laughs> under the influence, I was like, oh no, Cal. I mean, it's like good, you're coming out, but then it's like bad because you're over here like my biggest regret. <laughs> it was it was no it was it was the moment the moment his dick came out I, my mouth was dropped the entire time from that moment on I was like oh and then it Completely just didn't stop it gag. did not stop he pees on the floor wife comes out he just keeps going and I'm like I've never been that drunk so I don't understand this I think he's just been wanting to do it he this is been something that has been sitting on his chest for a long time. 25 years, <laughs> he said it. He said, yeah. <laughs> it was like, boy, oh boy, he ain't drunk no more, I tell you that. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like, uh, he just wants to be free, and now I feel like he's free now. You know, like, there's no nothing holding him back. Even whatever's on that disc, it's got He don't nothing. care. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. Right. He's reached the Probably point. should care. He, he yeah, like, care. can he care? Yeah. He's jail for that. Yes, yes, he should like, care. Should care. Um, I didn't, like think about it. I was like, was thinking should care, right? Should care. Uh, I think what he aired them the fuck out. The <laughs> library was open. He read the fuck out of that. Let me tell you. As soon as he, I was like, okay, whatever. He's drunk, and then as soon as he looks up at the sun and says. Guess how many men I fucked? I was like, oh, so we going there. Oh, like, no. we're going oh, there. He said, I'm a motherfucking Rottweiler. He said, oh, <laughs> we man. are going there. Talking oh. to the wife and the bear relationship dynamics with the son. We get a reminder that there is a son missing. It's just like caught, like fucking Aaron caught a stray, like a, a horrendous stray. Let me tell you, he aired out his entire porn history. Oh. Telling Nate, you know, he, you, I regret you. I'm just like, shit, like all of it. Yeah, and all, even all just saying it? like, Nate, I don't even know who you are. You know? Yeah, your life's a mystery. <laughs> that, that was like kind of, that was kind of hypocritical though, because how do you not know him? But he's your biggest regret. Like, what, what happened? <laughs> like, he, what, he, he called himself out though. He did say, you know, my transgressions have kind of, yeah, uh, you know, fell out on y'all. So. He admitted that part, but still, he's over wonder, here saying, y'all the biggest regrets of my life. And I wonder if they regret, because he had pointed, I'd want, I rewatched it before this just to see, and he pointed specifically at Nate. And I he did point what, at Nate, right. I wonder in what ways it's because of, like, he sees himself in Nate um, in terms of just, like, the relationship with sex and hiding and kind of living this double life and suppressing so much of yourself and really relying on this like hyper masculine facade and just like it's the retweet and there's Hereditary. some element yeah <laughs> some element of of just regret in that there's another basically him in the world if yeah i don't it was, it was yeah he i said I, peace re-watched. I rewatched the uh, beginning of Stunting Like My Daddy episode and like uh, uh-huh. it was like it was he had a moment where he was talking to Nate as a child. He's like, people are going to hate you because you're different and because like you aren't going to be able to like just be part of the world or whatever. And like he was talking 
mainly about like himself. You can tell that he wasn't really talking about Nate. He was talking about himself. So I wonder if like that there is like a lot of like him pointing fingers at Nate, not just because Nate has like the disc and kind of made him like forced him to become like a free person or like take those extreme measures. But I think it's like he knows that Nate is like a monster just like him. Yeah, no, he definitely projects onto Nate. And now that you mentioned it, because what Stunning Like My Dad is like episode two of season one, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, he projects. And I mean, in a sense, what he's doing, he's trying to show Nate that don't be like me. Don't bottle this up for 25 years. Don't live your life with regret. Uh, now, again, he did not have to come for the wife and the camp counselor letters. He did not have to come for the other son and the porn history. Uh, but I felt in, yes, when he pointed out Nate and, you know, it was basically saying, you know, uh, oh, God, I forget that famous saying. It's like, do right by my actions, not by what I say, you know. Do what I say, not as I do. There you go. That part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right, because, you know, yeah, it, it, there's a perfect example of how not to live your life is Cal Jacobs, because you've seen the repercussions of all such actions in every kind of faction. I guess the only thing we haven't seen yet at this point is whether or not there's a Derek still out there that Cal can reconnect with and how that affected that relationship, you know, how did that, you know, the Derek spiral after Cal announces he's got a baby. Don't know. I would love to see the end of that story. I would love to see it. I, yes. I, I, I would watch a three-part episode series for that. I would, oh, oh I would die. <laughs> I think we need to also see, though, like, Cal move past Derek because he's been holding on to Derek for the past 25 he years. He did not move past Derek. No, I'm saying we need to see him move past Derek and find, like, a different love that is somewhat similar to that of Derek's. I don't know because in the bar scene he was fantasizing about Derek. He was holding that guy. He was super drunk, but yeah, I mean, like I get it. Like <laughs> he went back to that spot because he's like, I'm going back to like where I felt the most free I've ever felt. And right, I, and I his initial point goes connection. back. Yes, goes to Derek. So because he talked about that. And then after all the guys he's fucked, and all the women and transsexuals that he's fucked. Yeah, it still goes back he, to Derek. Uh, he really just, yeah, he, I, I was shook. I, I was like, you got a whole <laughs> 10 minutes and you used it all. all <laughs> and then you took a picture off the wall and said bye. Again, I want to know what he's going to do with that picture. Like, what's, <laughs> why take that picture specifically? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, I need to, like, where is this, this other child? Mm-hmm. You know, I yes. didn't think it was such a thing, uh, of course, until you mentioned it. But now I see everybody on Twitter talking about how he took the picture. Yeah, where's the third child? And I thought he was going to mention them, but he did it. Uh, so, mystery. I don't know. I'm kind of like, go for it, Cal. You do you. I mean, Wait, I- but you said earlier, Ethan, that he's like your most favorite character he's my most favorite character wa- to watch he's the most intriguing i feel it's kind of like as as nino said too he's in a regress regressive state right now he's 
made all this progress with his duality and now he's making it singular you know he being said real. right yeah. he's being real with himself but with that said you know there is all the horrid actions he's already committed so it's like you know here you are trying to be the realest version of yourself but you need to come to terms with all of your past misdeeds and you know bring them to the light and you know uh uh you know just like what's the word i'm thinking of be redeemed you need to redeem yourself and make amends to all these wrongs that you've committed before you can truly live this life that you want to live i just find he's so intriguing to watch because there is the and there's the other aspect with you know you're so a father cal you can go live this life but uh part of making these wrongs right is dealing with what you just unloaded on your family you know like it is not your though. family's fault, Cal, that all these things has happened. You well, know. Well, are, well, does he want to make his wrongs right, though? Like, I don't know if that's really his mission. I think. Well, that's what that's what we don't know because he was completely drunk in this scene. Uh, we need to see kind of a sober mindset. I think the I think the only person that he may have like went too far on was Nate. And that was only because everything he's done is the reason why Nate is the way he is about about everything. So it's like, you know, as a grown man, he's responsible for all the things that have happened. And because he wasn't himself and didn't, you know, like cross that line of being free himself sooner. However, though, everybody is responsible. His wife is responsible because his wife. I, it looked like she, it, this was not a surprise to her. Yeah, <laughs> it, then it, like, yeah. surprise, it looked like this was this was uh, the maybe the sixth, seventh time they've had this in twenty five years. So, you know, I don't think um, I, I think she's responsible, and I think the oldest son is responsible for sitting there and trying to gaslight him because he did make a point. He was like, "Oh, are you sitting here like trying to because I fucked a man? You know, if it was a if it was a stripper and I banged in front of mom, I'm like, I'm like." hold his ass accountable. I think everybody, it doesn't matter if they're his child, the dog, whoever, everybody needs to be held accountable for fucking each other over at some point. And I think all families should do that, you know, at some point, you know, like hold each other accountable. But I think he he does have to take responsibility though, because he is a grown man that did this to himself. So, <laughs> you know- Count Jacobs need to sit at the red table. <laughs> With the whole family, the Jacobs family, the red table, Jacobs family edition. <laughs> Uh, I, would that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see it. That'd be funny. That'd be hilarious. Like a red table talk. <laughs> <laughs> Story done. I don't know. That'd be hilarious. Well, something that I'm interested uh, in is I'm pretty sure, and I mentioned this last week, that episode five, a lot of the reviewers who got to see the first like seven episodes said episode five is like the like the, the big episode in terms okay. of yeah something to do with like Rue and kind of interactions with family so it's certainly based off the little clip that they showed yeah uh, things things seem like they're not gonna go well because they weren't trying to show a lot too in the preview so yeah, I mean they showed that teacher they showed that teacher they did and I don't know if y'all noticed and thanks Twitter um the narration changed towards the end mm -hmm. like 
Rue was talking and then Jules was talking mm -hmm. at the end. So mm -hmm. a lot of folks were like speculating, is like, what does it mean that narration or the voice that was speaking has changed from <gasps> oh no Rue yeah. to to Jules? She wasn't narrating the whole episode. Yeah, at all. the whole episode. Uh -huh. Do you think? Do you think Rue could die in the series? No. <laughs> No. Um, there is a theory. In her contract. In her con I'm pretty sure Zendaya <laughs> has it in her contract. I am not dead until this thing is over. <laughs> I will say, there is a theory. There is a theory that she's already dead, Ooh. and that this is like a, a. That's why she knows so much about each person, and that this is like a rehashing that she's I, speaking. I from did like, see that. I did see. Yeah. You know what? I was on. Euphoria Twitter, not too long ago. Yeah, Euphoria <laughs> Twitter got their theories. Okay, get a bonder. Yeah, it's they said this, this is re a retelling because how did she know about um, what's it called Nate's dad story? Yeah, that's I, I said that too. I was like, how does yeah. she know so much? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Grant, I said an older Rue versus a dead Rue. She does say that. Yeah. I, I never know. thought of it like that until I read that. I was like, I never thought about that before, and I'm just mind blown. Cause it is, it could be a possibility. We we have no idea what's, ha I don't know what's happening. I sit down I, in front of the TV, I press play and just let it take me. It just let it happen, yep. <laughs> Hope for the best. Right, and it does take you. I was lost it, it really in does. it again. I did not try, I mean, I was trying to be lost in it and, but I was like, well, is it really gonna make me lost? Immediately lost the first opening thing. Was that Jules naked lying down in the little painting? Yep. Yes. Okay. I was lost. I was lost <laughs> in it. Right. It was like, my favorite episode, but I definitely like enjoyed it up in, like the last few minutes of it. That yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, ca caught my attention. I said, oh, we picking it up like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't. Let me. <laughs> what about other men? Actually, part of, part of me was like, man, I hope Nate's not home. Man. Uh, and here he comes out of the room. <laughs> I was like, they all about to get it. Yup. Yeah, and they yeah. did. And they did. While looking at him, like his penis, that's crazy. Right, <laughs> right. That's a man thing to do, I guess. I guess. I <laughs> guess. I'm nervous for the next episode. I, I know y'all got me nervous now. I'm nervous yeah. too. Well, you know what? I was nervous, so I had to make sure y'all were too. So. Great. Now we can it's all true. go into it with this nervous wreck of a feeling. Thank if you. Dead, it is Dr. Rika's fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, okay, look, I don't think she's dead. I just think something bad happened. Something <laughs> bad, like really bad is about to happen. Like really yeah, bad. I think yeah, I think this episode, because the review, don't blame it. Blame the review. It says, you know, episode five is where. I'm done reading reviews. I'm over it. No more reviews. I think her being in like that church and everything and dancing with her dad was a sign of her like overdosing. Mm -hmm. Oh, being... some people did say that too. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that. I saw that. Uh, I mean, and if anything, too, she's getting closer to her dad who's already right past. So maybe this could be more illusion. Well, I don't know. I'm ready for five. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm ready. I mean, the chronological order of when you see her dad and when she was just dancing like this, I, I was like, oh, I guess it's not an overdose because that's what I thought at first. And I was like, oh, she's right there dancing with her dad. <laughs> like, I, I just thought she was just having a moment. But if it ain't the overdose, 
the teacher. One or the other is gonna be the one in the group. She's gonna get her money, okay? She's she's, she's gonna, gonna get, get her, her money. money, right? Right. Rue is gonna go missing real quick. I worry for the girl. I worry for the girl because ain't nobody knows she's on this venture. So maybe yeah, nobody. So, well, goodness gracious, folks! I think we've covered just about everything with this past episode of euphoria episode four. Oh my god we didn't talk about the fake orgasm but that's okay um <laughs> i thought it was really funny especially when jules also reenacted it too uh it was really awkward it's really cringe but that's great television i don't know if y'all have any quick little thoughts on that was... uh yeah i think you covered it cool yeah, pretty much <laughs> uh, awesome awesome I, I, just... I was gonna say i was actually gonna bring that up with the whole elliot thing I was gonna say because she told him about that, I think he was like, "Oh well, Rue doesn't even like <laughs> like you, or like she's probably too drugged out, so it's probably my time to slide in, you know, <laughs> and let Rue just willow away." <laughs> very true. Very possible. Very possible. Toxicity, messy trio. <laughs> um, listen, folks, we enjoyed that you came on. Uh, this journey with the Yonko table today covering Euphoria episode four, season two. Listen, you can catch us on all social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and wherever you care to listen to us, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you pick your fancy, we got you covered. Listen, this is the Yonko table. We're about to sign off. Okay, I'm Grandmaster Hoop. Shout out to Nisa's Pieces, first time. And of course, shout out to returning supernovas, Comic Chris, Dr. Rika, Dars, and Nino Desposado, who had to leave us early. But listen, folks, y'all have a great night. We'll catch you next week for what might be the episode where everything goes down. But listen, y'all, take care. <laughs>